This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Nice to be filling in for Libby again. She is off for a couple of weeks, uh, first as a presenter at Idea City, which continues today and tomorrow at Toronto's Kerner Hall, and then off on a well-deserved summer vacation. So I will look forward to being with you over the next couple of weeks through until Friday, July 5th. We'll have a good time and some great conversations. Well, Premier Doug Ford, he's made some significant changes to his cabinet, as you heard there in Bob Comsick's news, just over a year into his majority mandate. Ford shuffled his cabinet this morning with the most notable change made to the finance portfolio. Vic Fideli was moved out of the right-hand job into economic development and trade, a demotion for sure, but he appears to be taking it in stride based on his demeanor during the swearing-in ceremony this morning. And that position of finance goes to Rod Phillips, who until this morning was the environment minister. To go over the changes, and there are a lot of them, and what it means to you, the Ontario resident and taxpayer, our panel today is made up of Bob Richardson, senior counsel to National Public Relations and a longtime liberal advisor and strategist, and John McEtitian, conservative activist, political consultant, and president of Bradgate Research Group. Gentlemen, hello there. Hey, hey, how are you both? I'm I'm great. There you are. Okay, good to have you guys along on this big day. This is a major cabinet shuffle, and John, I'll put this to you first. Uh, Some conservative strategists, uh, maybe yourself included, are saying this is a chaotic cabinet shuffle. What do you say to that? Uh, aren't all cabinet shuffles chaotic uh, for the people closest to them, for their staff, for their families, for the parties, for people trying, like us, trying to read the tea leaves and figure it all out? Um, uh, certainly, it would be a calm and normal, peaceful day for the Ford government. So I, guess, I think part of it is putting it in context. Um, all, all in all, I looked at the shuffle, and I'm, I'm quite happy with it. Um, I think it's... Uh, the premier taking serious steps to uh, write what everybody in the province is aware of, that they have done a uh, bad job, uh, uh, dare say terrible job of communicating what they've been about uh, for a very activist, very engaged government. And um, by the same token, it's not like he fired anybody. So everybody who was there who may have got moved around has been given a new opportunity to perform better than they did, and there's been a lot of new people added to the cabinet. I want to revisit what you just said. Uh, This is Premier Ford's way of telling Ontario that they've done a terrible job so far? Well, uh, on communicating, not on substance. If you go to substance, the number of pieces of legislation, the number of initiatives they've taken, uh, the number of days sitting in the House, they've been very active, very engaged. Uh, It may almost be record-setting. But as far as communicating why and what they're doing and what they're about, um, I, I don't think there's 
one now i'm i'm only uh i'm a political person i'm not a communications expert but i don't think there's a communications expert of any stripe in the province that would say that they've done a good job communicating so how do they communicate better uh, as ministers of different portfolios? I mean, if you're dealing with the same people who have communications issues, how come and how, why would they all of a sudden become so much better at it? Well, I think part of that is the, the answer is in the new talent. So if you look at um, uh, a couple uh, of the major ones, so Rod Phillips, who uh, uh, took a difficult file in the carbon tax, uh, through the Ministry of the Environment and what he did there, uh, solid, good um, performance, and uh, you know, not sexy and exciting, but uh, that that's, that was a major policy that had a lot of people against it. And uh, he certainly got the background from his time in government uh, outside of this government, uh, having worked in almost every aspect of government. Um, you know, he's a he's a solid performer. So now, as Minister of Finance. I think he'll be, he's an excellent choice to deliver the message of why the government is doing what it's doing in the next budget that really was lacking from this last one. Okay. And, we, uh, and we, I, don't, sure. I don't, I don't think we'll see another, uh, a repeat of the death by a thousand cuts, uh, which was the number one complaint from everybody, right? We saw a good budget and then there was a new announcement almost every day of, oh, by the way, we forgot to mention. Mm-hmm. Um, the other person I was going to say, uh, I think we're all looking forward to see what the fall is going to be like, right? You know, we're anticipating uh, teachers are all going to go on strike. They're going to ignore financial reality for the government, and they're going to go to war. Um, uh, Stephen Lecce uh, did a great job as uh, parliamentary assistant to the premier, and now he, uh, you know, he's got a bit of a reputation as a communicator, right, having served the prime minister's office for years in Ottawa. Uh, he's a very solid performer. Uh, he's a very calm, reasoned individual. Uh, it, but by the same token, he has no uh, problem standing his ground. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that just in that duo alone, a minister of education and the finance minister, um, we're going to see, uh, you know, uh, a, a fall that maybe people weren't anticipating into the government, whatever it does, whatever the teachers do. Uh, I would expect that we'll know what the government's doing clearly and why. No, you bring up a couple of good points with uh, Rod Phillips and Stephen Lecce. And we will talk about the individual portfolios, or at least the most significant ones as we go along. I do want to get Bob Richards' overall take, Bob Richardson's overall take on the cabinet shuffle. Bob, go ahead. Uh, Well, look, this has not been to date a particularly serious government, and uh, and it's not been viewed as a particularly competent government, and there is good reason for that. This is an opportunity for them to uh, hit the reset button. For the place that they're in, um, you know, a year into a mandate, their polling numbers are terrible. It usually takes you 10 or 15 years to get to some of the numbers that they're at today. So they really did need to hit the reset button and hit it hard. And actually, to his credit, I think the premier did. There were three ministers that were really underperforming, uh, and he moved them all. And I actually am going to argue that I think he did Vic Fideli a favor. I think Vic Fideli is way more of a salesman. I think he will be great at economic development. And uh, I didn't think he was that great as finance minister. I just didn't think it, it sort of suited his skill set 
and suited his personality. So I think he'll get an opportunity to, to move forward. Uh, Rod Phillips is a very bright guy. I've known him for 25 years or so. Uh, very successful in the private sector, has done public sector uh, staff work, so he knows stuff inside and out. Uh, he'll also be able to work with other levels of government. So if the Premier's office can get over their petty vendettas and, and stupidity uh, and, and fights with the City of Toronto, then, then you know, Rod, Rod's the type of bridge builder that, you know, could work uh, to get things done. And, and, you know, there's some other good cabinet ministers that are in there uh, in, in the mix, too, as well. So I think overall he did what he had to do, but his number one problem hasn't been these people. His number one problem is him, and his number one problem is his office. And I'm going to disagree with John a little bit. The problem here is not just communications. The problem, uh, the problem here is also been substance. Uh, but John is right, pointing out they haven't communicated very well uh, what they're doing and why they're doing it. So that would be my take on, uh, on it uh, early at this time. We certainly want to get your take as well, the Zoomer Radio listener, on the changes and whether you think this is a better direction for the Ford government. With three years to go in their majority mandate, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. Neil in Milton, what would you like to add? Well, I think it's a major demotion for, for so many of them. He blew them up and he needed to. And like, like uh, we just heard, the problem is the premier. They've all been bobbleheads. They've all been trained seals. They've all stood up and clapped whenever they had to. Um, this is the first time any premier in Ontario has dumped a finance minister in the first year. And that tends to suggest the, by, to the electorate that it's been a failure. And the, I think Fidelity is going to take the blame for what Ford is how he's being treated and how he's being rated in the polls. And now they're ready to uh, have a five-month summer holiday, the longest recess you can imagine. And he's dumped the Lisas, he's dumped Mulroney, Fidelli. And uh, one of these days, we, like, we can only hope that these new cabinet ministers will speak and will talk without having to go through their speaking points from French and Ford. Okay, Neil, thank you for your call. Uh, Let's talk about what Neil mentioned there. The Lisas, both have been demoted, but both are still on cabinet. So what, and you brought this up, John McEtitian, that this brings to light the loyalty factor for Doug Ford. He is being loyal to the whole group, even if he's displeased with some of the performances. Yeah, and, and let me say that uh, for anybody who gets elected to sit in a parliament, uh, their next fondest dream is to, to be uh, hopefully realized to be a cabinet minister. And they could uh, care less whether it's the top spot or the low spot because they get put in the room, they're in a different crowd. So certainly there's something about being uh, demoted. Uh, but, you know, the word that was just used by your caller was dumped. So let's be clear, he didn't dump anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, let, let's also be clear what he did was he, uh, you know, so he's made room for everybody. He shuffled them around like a, a good coach on a team uh, in the first year. Uh, but it is, uh, the caller was right, you know, unprecedented. Uh, that may be uh, the right comment 
on, um, uh, you know, for a finance minister. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to suggest that, you know, uh, I think Bob said this a minute ago, uh, maybe not quite these words, but courageous. You know, the premier, when he set up his first caucus, first cabinet, he didn't have one that we all would have thought he would have done, regionally balanced and matching the demographics. He went with the people with the most experience. And now, after seeing a year of experience, he's saying, uh, maybe you would be better in a different place. But he didn't fire anybody outright. And that that's where there's a big difference. So everybody now has a, a chance to take this as an opportunity, even though they might be hurting a little bit because they have a smaller staff and a smaller budget, but they're still at the cabinet table. But they've also at the same time been warned, you better do better next year. He's not going to wait two or three years for the next shuffle. The next shuffle could be six months or a year from now. And And next time, if you went down this time, if you're not doing better, you could absolutely just be back on the back benches. What about Caroline Mulrooney? Is this, uh, Bob, I'll ask you first, is this a demotion, her being moved from attorney general to transportation? You know, I think some people can perceive it that way. I don't think it is. I think it's more of a lateral move. Transportation is a very big and a very important portfolio in Ontario. And there's some big files that need to uh, happen. And I think what he's trying to do there is put more of an urban face on things, too, as well. He's got a lot of dealings in the GTA coming up on transportation expansion, whether it's uh, GO, Metrolinx, dealing with the TTC upload. There's a whole whole variety of other infrastructure issues. Uh, I think he wanted to have a uh, more urban and a more progressive face there. Uh, to square off against some of the powerful mayors like uh, John Tory and Bonnie Crombie and even Patrick Brown. So uh, I, I don't necessarily see it as a demotion. Okay. It will be a challenging portfolio for her. Um, and uh, let's see if she's uh, got the moxie to do it. But um, I, I, I would say at, at worst, it's a lateral. And John on Caroline Mulrooney? Um, well, I think it's a lateral. Again, uh, for those that uh, get elected who are lawyers, uh, that, that seems to be the dream job, uh, the same way as someone with corporate experience wants to be the finance minister. But she's had that for a year. Uh, if you look at how much has been accomplished in that portfolio, uh, a lot of cases, a lot of very significant actions happened, arguably four years already worth already inside of one year. Um, I, I think the premier is doing her a favor and giving her an opportunity now to travel rather than being in a lot of locked rooms of lawyers talking about impending cases or contract stuff. She now gets to go. And, it, and I'm going to say it would depend on the government. So with this government, with transportation being uh, so front and center in Ford's promise for the next, uh, well, the foreseeable future. Uh, it's going to be a very activist portfolio and one that, uh, just to add to what Bob said, is going to have her out there uh, both as a minister but almost as an ambassador mm-hmm. uh, to, to work with other people to achieve great things. So that's a, an incredible opportunity for her that I think uh, some people will miss today but start to see uh, you know, in the weeks ahead.
We're talking about the provincial cabinet shuffle, Doug Ford's government, uh, more than one year into their mandate, their four-year majority mandate, with Bob Richardson and John McEtitian. I'm Jane Brown for Libby's Nimer. Uh, gentlemen, I'm going to ask you to just stand by for a moment uh, so we can give a listen to the NDP's Marit Stiles. I want to hear from the official opposition now. Marit, uh, good afternoon to you. Welcome to Zoomer Radio's Fight Back. Here, Jane. Oh, what do you think uh, about this cabinet shuffle? I want to hear uh, what, you, what you folks on the opposite bench think about this. Well, I mean, I think that uh, this cabinet shuffle isn't going to mean anything unless uh, changed ministers means changed direction. Um, uh, you know, I, I think moving around the seats at cabinet and, and in this case, of course, adding, I think, 25% addition of, uh, of cabinet. Positions. Right. We've gone from 21 <laughs> to 28. Yeah, which is quite significant, especially the time when they're asking other public servants to take a a bit uh, less. Um, but, you know, uh, to me, what what we've seen over the last year is that the priorities of this government are not um, are not connecting with people. People are paying the price. They're not happy about it, whether it's cuts to health care or uh, classrooms. And and unless this new cabinet absolutely changes direction, um, I got to say, I, I think it's just a whole lot of a whole lot of nothing. I mean, it's obvious to me that some ministers have fallen out of favor with the with the, the premier. Um, but on the surface, I don't see much hope for the kind of change that we need uh, to get Ontario headed in the right direction. What do you think about uh, specifically in terms of the ability to communicate better? Everybody's in agreement that Stephen Lecce is the new education minister will communicate the message better and maybe uh, better and more willing to have conversations because of his expertise in being able to have these conversations. Well, um, you know, I, I, I know Mr. Lecce. I've, of course, I'm the opposition, yeah. uh, official opposition education critic, so I spent quite a lot of time, uh, taking on, uh, Lisa Thompson in the, in the legislature. Um, and I look forward to having an opportunity to sit down with, uh, Mr. Lecce. You know, but I'll say this, you know, people aren't looking, uh, for a better communicator of these messages and these changes and these cuts. What they're looking for is a change in priorities. So, you know, I, I, I think it's true that Mr. Lecce is obviously, you know, he was Harper's communications person. He'll, he'll deliver a smoother message perhaps than the previous minister did. Um, but to me, that's actually not necessarily a good thing. I want to see honesty. I want to see mm-hmm. uh, a shift in priorities. I just came from a, a school classroom of grade fives this morning in my writing, uh, where the kids are actually really, really worried because they're hearing about educational assistance being cut in their, in their schools. Um, and, and many others. And so I think that what people want to hear is that these cuts are going to be reversed. Uh, what do you think the likelihood of that is? I, I mean, I think it would be better than uh, what we might have said a year ago based on a lot of the retractions that have happened over this past year. Well, I, I, as I always tell folks in my community and when I'm traveling around, you know, I, I think that, that people in this province have made their, their opinion about the cuts to education and the other cuts that are taking place, you know, uh, well known to this government. And you see it in the polls, but you also see it in the protests, in the petitions, um, in the letters people are writing. And I'm pretty sure that Doug Ford and his, and his MPPs are feeling it in the, in their communities. And so, 
I do hope that the government is feeling the pressure that they, we have seen them reverse course in a couple of small ways, but, but honestly, um, you know, what, what's moving forward in terms of cuts to education, and now we're hearing another 825 healthcare workers lost, um, these are going to hit us and they're going to hit us in communities and they're going to affect services. So I, I'm not, I'm, what I'm telling folks is please continue to, to keep the pressure up. It can't hurt. It can help. And I hope that the government will feel that this summer. NDP critic Marit Stiles, I know we only have you for another minute. I'm probably pushing it here as it is. Um, but you mentioned the layoffs yesterday. Uh, and now the new message, the revised message from the premier and the health minister that no frontline workers will be laid off as opposed to back office workers, which is what the notice was yesterday for um, the workers who are losing their jobs. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Doug Ford started out by saying no one would lose their job. Then he changed that to no frontline worker would lose their job. And when it comes to these these cuts that we're hearing about now um, in healthcare, the Minister of Health and the and the Premier like to say, well, these aren't frontline workers. But you know, you, not everybody who contributes to patient care holds a scalpel. <laughs> um, we actually have many, many people who coordinate things like organ donation, um, people at the Trillium uh, Gift of Life Network, people at Cancer Care Ontario in the operations that provide really critical care, critical roles in our healthcare system. We're very concerned about the impact this is going to have on our frontline workers' ability to do their job efficiently. Right, because they're the right? ones, they're organizing the frontline exactly. workers. Right. Marit, I thank you for your time. My pleasure. Thank you so much. NDP critic Marit Stiles here on Zoomer Radio's Fight Back. Jane for Libby. Let's bring back on our strategists, uh, Bob Richardson and John McEtitian. Uh, what did you, John, we'll start with you. What did you think about Marit's message? Uh, I think it's uh, such an easy job as uh, the opposition to just be negative and fear-mongering and not really add anything of value other than stirring things up. I mean, on one hand, she she's worried about the impact on children, but if you listen to where all the false and misleading uh, fear is coming from, it's mostly the NDP and the unions that they represent. But what about the, we're hearing about uh, some of these teachers that, that go into schools part-time and they, they are telling, uh, they are giving their first-hand accounts of being reduced from eight hours a week to two hours a week, uh, some of these music teachers who are brought in from the outside. So it actually is happening. We are seeing cuts to the children's well, no, education. No, hang on. With, with respect, uh, this is June. Uh, the effect of all the uh, announced uh, uh, cuts or restructuring haven't taken place until this fall. And there's not one board, I, I could be wrong on this, but I don't believe there's one board in Ontario yet that has a final set of numbers of how many teachers, how many classes, or how many students in the classes. Right now, it's, it's still all crystal balling, which is something that's normal for the education system and that they do every single year, and they haven't gotten to the point yet where they're doing uh, where they've come up with their final numbers. Well, right. Okay. But we, we are actually hearing from people who, I guess, like itinerant music teachers, maybe they're being told ahead of time that this is likely what's going to happen. I can't say specifically to the messages they've received, but. Well, but that, but that's again part of the problem. Right. Uh, like I, I, I think, uh, um, the, the member that was just on was right in saying that people should, talk to their local elected representatives. They should express their points of view and their concerns. Uh, and that's part of why already 
the ministry already announced that they were going to that they were already coming up with extra funds for a transitional period. So based on what they said uh, so far, there sh- there actually shouldn't be anybody losing jobs this year because there's extra money for everybody, even when normally they would be getting rid of them, unless it's through the normal process of they have less students. We do know that the Toronto District School Board made those $67 million in cuts last night. So we know the cuts are happening. I appreciate what you're saying, that it doesn't fully roll out until September. But there are there are all kinds of indications that education programs are being eliminated or at least yeah. reduced. Yeah, this is a bit of a, with great respect, nonsense conversation. Uh, the fiscal year for the government starts April 1st. The government made it very clear how much money they're transferring. There is less money for teaching. There is less. There are larger class sizes, uh, and they've just you know that that is a fact. And school board after school board, uh, regardless of its politics, uh, are having to make cuts right now, and that's just a fact that is going on uh, across the province. Okay, but so I, I don't think it's so a nonsense conversation not, when, John, no. I, John, it's not a nonsense conversation when we're clarifying information well, that's out there. No, that's well, what right, I but, but so, so you look at, you know, when they're saying cuts and bigger classroom sizes, right? So, again, how much bigger are, the, are which classrooms? So it depends on what age category you're talking about. So there's classes where there's been no uh, increase. There's some where there's been an increase by one student on average, and then there's others that are being phased in over the next three years. But but what you're hearing from from the people with a vested interest, from the teachers' unions, it's as if every single uh, part of that is being implemented uh, first day back in September, which is just simply not the truth. Okay, fair enough. Bob Richardson, uh, your turn to comment on Marit Stiles and what she was saying, what the NDP is saying about the cabinet shuffle and the layoffs. Well, number one, I think she's actually a very good critic for uh, the New Democratic Party, and I think she's been a good uh, education critic for them. Uh, I think a lot of what she's saying is true. And there are cuts that are going on in school boards right across uh, the province. Uh, let's not use the Toronto School Board, which I find to be highly political. Mm. Let's take the Halton Board of Education okay. as an example, which is pretty pretty neutral, uh, probably more conservatives than anything on it. They're making cuts. They're cutting teachers. They're cutting uh, they're uh, cutting uh, pro- they're uh, uh, cutting programs that are available. I think John, in your hometown of Hamilton, the local school board announced a variety of different uh, program uh, cuts too, as well, just last week. So these things are actually happening um, at the granular local level, and we can't pretend that they're not. And part of it is there is less money being transferred uh, to them uh, to run their operations next year, and as a result of that, these cuts are going on. You can argue whether you're in favor of them or not, but you can't argue that they aren't happening because they are. Okay, let's get back to the phones. Uh, and either of you, I know we've only booked you till uh, 1230. So if either of you has to go, I, I respect that. But if you're okay to hang on and listen to the calls and comment, that would be great as well. Let's go to Ron in Guelph. Ron, uh, your thoughts about what's going on with the Ford government today? Well, all right. Um, there's actually two takes on this thing from Myra Stiles. She represents the NDP, and of course, and she has the best interest from all the unions. Um, I drive a school bus, and I can see it every day. Um, so these are the teachers are uh, passing on all the messages they got. The parents are all in a dither. 
and everything else. Uh, the other thing is, which I agree with, the uh, Conservatives have done a terrible job of communicating the reason why they've got to make the mm. cuts. Now, what I'd like to see them do more of is say, here's what the alternatives are if we don't do the cuts. Okay, that's a good point. Ron, thanks for your call. And I'll give out the numbers here again as well. 416-360-0740 or toll-free 1-866-740-4740. What about that? Uh, What about hearing, and that's all in the messaging as well, John, uh, that if we don't make this cuts, this, these cuts, this is what will happen. Well, yeah, I mean, there's realities. And, and again, part of it is it's not being helped by a confusion of what the cuts are. So Bob mentioned the, the uh, reduction in some classes in Hamilton. Um, it was interesting because I actually called a school. The newspaper article was unclear. So I called a school board and talked to the uh, to the media person. And, you know, they're being, they're, you know, some of these classes have less than 10 kids. So that's why the classes aren't being offered. So there's a variety of factors um, in all of these things, and it's just being torqued to the nth degree by, you know, the opposition, which is what it likes to do, and by the unions who are doing what they do, right? Guess, guess what will be on their agenda this fall? It won't be how to make classroom better unless it has something to do with the raise of pay for teachers and less work. Bob, how do we decipher the messaging? Uh, and and we all know how strong the teachers unions are. They are very strong. Uh, they have lots and lots of pension money. They are certainly advocating on every level. They want to make sure that those inflationary increases happen every year, um, which, you know, I don't blame them for that. But the strength of the union versus the the reality of what's happening in the schools across Ontario. When we sit around our dinner tables at night and we have these discussions with our family about education and money for education, how do we filter all these messages as regular people? Well, you know, it, it is, compl- uh, it is compl- uh, complex and the teachers union obviously is self-interested. That's what their job is, quite frankly. They do a pretty good job of what they're supposed to be doing. But it's not just the teachers' union. It's parents that are upset. It's students that are upset uh, more broadly uh, across the board. But part of the problem leads back to one thing. This government has a wacky finan- uh, uh, fi- financial plan from the beginning. They, made, they agreed to make some accounting changes, which virtually everyone in the profession told them not to do which ended up adding $5 billion to their books. You watch. I bet you they changed that this fall. Um, they gave corporate big corporate tax cuts at a time when Ontario's economy uh, was on fire. Direct foreign investment for the last few years has been through the roof, uh, and unemployment's been at low levels. We didn't need to cut corporate taxes, and they went ahead and did that. That blew another hole in their fiscal plan. And then they got rid of cap and trade. That's fine. Ideologically, they wanted to do that. That blew a $3 billion hole. So they did all these things, which backed themselves into a corner, and now they're having to make cuts in, uh, in other areas. Had they, had they thought this plan through, they probably wouldn't have done half of those things, and they wouldn't be in the mess they're in today. 
As I said, this has not been a serious government, and that's part of the reason why. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. The Ford Cabinet Shuffle is the, the main focus of our conversation today. Let's go to John in Toronto. John, what would you like to add? Hello. Well, uh, I voted for Ford. Uh, he said he was going to save, save, save. The NDP, Liberals, spend, spend, spend. They don't care. And if people do get laid off, what, what's so big deal? I mean, Mr. Trudeau is telling us that we have to bring immigrants in because we have no, no helpers. I mean, they can get a job the next day. No. Uh- uh, yeah, a, a lot. I I don't know if what you're saying is exactly true. I, I I take the message that you're you're trying to make in a cynical sort of patronizing way. But the, this is serious business here. This is these are the finances of the province of Ontario and the track that we're going to move forward on and how we're going to best get there. And Bob, you bring up the point of all these costs that the Ford government's had to incur. Uh, John, how do they get around this? I mean, they've made a promise to reduce the deficit, and Bob rightly points out how they're spending, and they may even have to do this billion-dollar contract-breaking with the beer store as well. Well, I think when they went in, uh, part of what was missing was a comprehensive plan, and that was uh, in part due to the way we ended up with Mr. Ford as our leader, who uh, rejected the previous leader's plan for governing, uh, with the most substantive thing being, uh, you know, the, the carbon tax. So now with the year in government, you hear them talking about, uh, you know, there have been cabinet changes, but the, the messages a couple days ago where they're starting to look at fees that may be increased, like on our, all of our different driving licenses. Right. So the government is, uh, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why, uh, frankly, Fidelity was shuffled out. It's a lot easier to have a new finance minister look at everything with fresh eyes and say, okay, we're going to go this route rather than having the previous person uh, having to do backflips and explain why he was wrong the first time around. I want so to I ask you, sorry. I think there's a certain amount of reality in here. Uh-huh. Also, they didn't have a long, uh, you know, very long time. I could say it was a very uh, tumultuous year we had last year. It almost didn't matter who was leading our party or how good our party was, the Liberals got defeated. But now we've got a new government. They've been in for a year. And the question is, are they going to get a, a chance at re-election? And they've only got so long to prove to the people of Ontario that they know what they're doing and communicate it effectively. Because I think on whole, they've been doing a good job, but not. But they're getting virtually no credit for it. Uh, there was an excellent comparison uh, made over the last couple of days how in 1992 at, uh, and in fact, Bob, you may have been a part of this conversation with Libby the other day, but that in 1992, Bob Ray was booed by the crowd at Skydome when the Jays had won the World Series and no, and everybody wrote Bob Ray off after that. And uh, you could, you could say that the same thing happened to Premier Doug Ford on Monday. Is he, has he been written off? Uh, is, is there any way he can bounce back from from what's happened in the last couple of months? Uh, look, uh, a month is a long time in politics, and this guy has three years until the next election. So he's got a lot of time to uh, repair the damage. But what what is critical? I think this is a really critical 12-month period for him. People don't like some of the cuts, and people don't think the government's particularly competent. If that starts to cement itself in year two, 
then you're pretty much toast. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much what happened to Bob Ray. So I think this is a critical 12-month period. And I have to give him credit. He he made some tough decisions, and he's put some good people into into good spots. I think he's trying to sort of dig himself out. Let's see if he can do that. And with that, I apologize. i got to run. I know you do. Bob Richardson, thank you for your time. Thank you. Senior, All right. Bye-bye now. Senior Counsel to National Public Relations. And John McEtition, um, I'll let you go as well on this. I think we've more or less discussed. There was a lot to talk about today, a lot to unpack with this uh, very large cabinet shuffle. But your message uh, as we wrap up this segment. Uh, just to say that, you know, exciting times, right? Um, you know, we could be in a very worse place. We, I think every, Bob and I agreed, and I think everybody will, that the premier saw that uh, things weren't going where he wanted to for what, whoever's fault or responsibility. And the bottom line is we got a premier a year in, his first time being uh, in the provincial legislature, let alone being premier. And uh, we want to all wish him well that uh, he gets a right in the second year moving forward. If not, uh, it becomes a very interesting time after that. John McEtition, always appreciate your time. Take care. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.